Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We are in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 1. Serve the gospel. We are called to present the gospel of Jesus to everyone, to present Christ, his name, his life, his cross, his work, his love, his teachings, and his story. His story is the gospel, and it should be a part of everything that we do. The word gospel means good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ, his life and his death, his burial, his resurrection. And Christianity is all about Christ. The word Christian is right in there. I was trying to think of an illustration of the gospel. It's kind of like, where's the beef, right? You get your hamburger and you bite into the bun and there's no meat, right? Or it's like serving a meal without any protein. And all you got is like some side dishes and dessert. It's like I need some substance, right? I need the beef. I need protein. And that's the way it is with Jesus. Jesus should be a part of everything we do. He's why you existed, why you've been created, your future, your purpose. He should be a part of every aspect of your life, your home, your work, your relationships. Jesus is like the courts, like eating without any substance that you're just left empty. And I was thinking of the illustration of the social gospel. The social gospel is when Christians and churches try to present the gospel, but they pull Jesus out of it. So the social gospel becomes where you just, you know, oh, I did a good work, I cleaned someone's car, so now they know about God. Mm, you didn't tell them about Jesus, though. Or I fed a homeless person, but I didn't give them a scripture. I didn't give them God's plan of salvation. I didn't tell them about Christ and his love. That's what we call a social gospel. It's, it's good works and it's good things, but the church and Christians are called to do good works with Jesus in the middle, like a Jesus track or God bless you or Jesus loves you or here's God's plan for your life, where we present good things, but Jesus is the core and the substance of what we do. Now, we're starting a brand new book. It is, in my opinion, probably one of the hardest books of the Bible. It is very theological. I consider Romans a book of theology. It can be a little intimidating. It intimidates me. And I have a bachelor's in theology. You'd think it'd be easy, you know. But I'm thinking we could just do it slow and deep and not be intimidated by the deep, incredible things of God, but instead be excited and like, I can go further and deeper and I can grow in the deep things of God. And the word theology, don't be intimidated. Theology means the study of God. 
It's like knowing God more and richer, and how better to know God than his book of theology, the book of Romans to the capital city of the world empire, Rome, a huge mega church in Rome. So many Christians live there, but they were human slaves. Ironic that many Christians were enslaved by the Romans. And so we tackle this uh, difficult book slowly and a, with joy and excitement and depth, and we'll just take it easy as we go deep into the study of God himself. Realize that the book of Romans is going to start with the very foundation. The foundation is the gospel. The foundation of theology is Jesus Christ himself. He's the foundation stone. He's the rock upon which we will build. So let's jump into Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul. One word. One first name only. Do you know Paul? He is the great apostle of the church. He is our superstar. He is our theologian of deep things, and he's our missionary to the Gentiles. And all you got to say is Paul, and the church knew who Paul was. A bondservant of Christ Jesus, I am God's slave. As he writes to the slaves of Rome, which are Christian. How ironic. A slave to a slave. You serve Rome, I serve Jesus. And we all serve Christ Jesus when we become born again. Called as an apostle. Set apart for the gospel of God. Paul is one of our great apostles. I believe he took the place of Judas Iscariot, the traitor who committed suicide. Jesus came down to earth, came back to choose his next 12th apostle, and I believe that is the apostle Paul. And he's been called and set apart and made holy for a purpose, to teach, to present, to serve the gospel, the good news of God. It is all about God's story. And I believe if you're a Christian, you're called too to serve the gospel, to present it, to explain it, to spread it, and to share it. It's all about Jesus' story. Verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel was promised to us. The Old Testament prophets talked about the coming of Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection. The gospel's not hidden. It's revealed, it's prophesied, and it's promised as a gift to us. Verse 3, concerning his Son. The gospel is all about the Son of God, Jesus, who is God in human flesh. He is the central character and person of the gospel. Don't be afraid about the, of the gospel. It's God's love story between you and Christ, and it's the most incredible story of all. Who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. 
Jesus came through the royal line of King David. Jesus was God who left heaven and took on human flesh. And we call that the incarnation, carnate in human flesh and bone and skin. God was hidden in the baby Jesus. Verse 4, who was declared the Son of God. So do you see the double? We have the Son of Man and the Son of God. Jesus is God and man at the same time. The theologians say that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, which is 200%, which gets confusing, at the same time, and we call that the hypostatic union, if you're into the theological terms. He was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Now, Jesus prophesied of his resurrection. He's the only religious leader to raise from the dead in physical form. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon him and pulled him out of his stone-cold tomb on Easter Sunday, right? At sunrise, the tomb is empty according to the Spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, very reverent and the Holy Spirit is behind the scenes and he doesn't take the glory and the Holy Spirit points to Jesus and Jesus points to the Father. The whole Trinity works together. Jesus Christ, our Lord. When you become a Christian, you make Jesus your Lord and you get to use the full title and Paul's going to use it again and again. The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Is he your Lord Jesus Christ? Most of the world uses Jesus as a cuss word. They don't know who he is. Some people are ignorant of history. They don't even know of his birth and the historical things that he has accomplished. Do you realize he's the son of God? Wasn't it the centurion, the Roman soldier, at the cross and at Jesus' death, when he saw the incredible things that had happened, the earthquake, and there were resurrections, and there was power, incredible things said. And the Roman centurion in Matthew 27, 54 says, truly, this was the Son of God. Romans start getting saved, even Roman soldiers and Roman leaders. And the church becomes huge and powerful. We even have the history of the Roman Catholic Church, all from Rome. Verse 5, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. Paul is called to the Gentiles, to every race, every nationality, every tribe, every dialect, every color, every people group. Now Christianity starts first with the Jews, but God's goal is to go to all peoples, all the Gentiles, 
the non-Jewish people, and it comes all the way to us. It is a global mission, right, Jesus? The Great Commission. Go into all the world. Verse 6. Among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. The gospel has come to you. God is calling you. What does the Father want you to do? To come to his Son. Jesus is God's gift of love and grace and forgiveness. And when you get Jesus, you get it all. Purpose, meaning, life, and eternity. And I would say resurrection too. Like Jesus rose from the, from the grave, you will also cheat death. Verse 7, to all who are beloved of God in Rome. Do you know that God loves you? That you're beloved of the Father. That God loved you so much he couldn't just leave you. He had to reach you. He had to send his son on a mission to live a wonderful life, to show us how to change and, and to show us what life is about. And Jesus takes our sin and our shame and he suffers for us on the cross so we can be born again. It's all out of love. This is God's motivation. This is the cross. This is why Jesus died, because God truly does love you. Called as saints. Now, a Christian, if you're a born-again Christian, you are a saint. Some people say, oh, but I haven't been, you know, my sainthood from the Catholic Church, I haven't done miracles and all that. No, God makes you a saint. Man doesn't make you a saint. And if you're a Christian, you are a saint. You're holy and you're set apart so that God can love you, so God can use you. He has a purpose and a meaning in your life. Now, our society is struggling with their identity. People are trying to find their value in their race, in their sexuality, in their occupation, in their position, in their money. But all those things, they don't matter. What matters is that you're in Christ, and when you're in Jesus and in the Beloved, now you have value. Now you have meaning. Now you have purpose. And we find our identity in Christ. And it's not in what you do, but it's in what he has done for you that gives you value and worth. Yes, we are saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You need grace first before you get peace. Do you want peace in your soul? Have you been sleepless and your mind is racing and there's terror and fear and you know no peace? Once you get Jesus as your gracious Savior, now you get him as your Prince of Peace. And you can pray, Holy Spirit, give me the peace of Christ. 
Help me to sleep. Help me to give my worries away. My fears, my frustrations, may I lay them at the cross and finally have the peace of God. The peace that only Jesus gives, not as the world gives, right? Spread the gospel. This is what we're called to do. I believe that you have been saved to serve. You've been a slave of sin, a slave to the world, slave of man. But when you come to Christ, you become his slave. And now you surrender to him. And what does he want you to serve? His gospel, to tell his story of love and peace and grace, and to help others to be free from the world so that they too can serve him. And there's a joy, and there's a love, and there is a satisfaction in serving God and having a purpose and meaning and a calling to your life. And I think being a Christian is the highest calling above all others. Verse 8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. I'm thankful for you, for the Christians, for the church in Rome. Now, a lot of Christians, we get overwhelmed and we say, oh, I live in such a wicked uh, city, a horrible nation, you know, sin is out of control. Uh, I think it's Disneyland compared to Rome. Can you imagine living in with the Romans, with the Caesars that set Christians on fire with the madmen and the perversity? And people are like, oh, you know, immorality, it's so bad right now. The craziness. Oh, Rome was way worse than America, right? Gladiators fighting to the death, entertainment galore, blood and murder, mayhem, feeding Christians to animals and to lions, right? Talk about sexuality and perversion. This is Rome times 10, right? And the Romans were violent and perverse, and they were into the flesh and entertainment and drunkenness and being high. Rome was an evil, sinful, dark place. But the good news is the church is in Rome. The church is in Reno and Sparks, and through all the nations of the world, there is light, there is hope, there is God's love in the darkness. And when it's very dark, the light is even greater still. The church of Rome, and I love you and I pray for you, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Proclaim your faith. Spread your faith. Are you good on the internet, social media? Are you an artist? Are you a writer? Are you good with the gift of gab? Now you can use it for God. Now you can spread good news instead of the world's bad news. You can use media. You could use your liberties and freedoms as an American. And you can spread the gospel to the ends of the earth for God. This is your calling. Serve the gospel. Verse 9. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son. You see, he's serving 
the Son. He's serving the gospel. And what is the gospel about? It's about Jesus. It's about his love. Have you ever come to someone broken, hurting, crying, suicidal? They're at the end of themselves. They're in a hospital room. They're strung out on drugs. They're demonized. I've had to do that. And God says, you go and you tell them about me. I don't know, Lord. I don't know if they're going to receive it. They've been waiting. They've been praying. And I've sent you and tell them my story. Tell them about my son. And they're like, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I need. And then they get saved and their life changes. can tell you story after story. In my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, verse 10, always in my prayers, making requests, Paul is praying for us. Church leaders should pray for us. We should pray. Pray for each other. The power of prayer that changes things. I think when you present the gospel to someone, pray for them first. Maybe they're a co-worker. Maybe they're at the end of their rope. Maybe they're on their deathbed. Right? And you pray. God, open the doors, open their hearts, and then you give them the gospel. It goes hand in hand with the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer. If perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Present the gospel in person. I think internet is fun and texting and phone call, but the gospel is so important, I would meet with the person face to face, eye to eye. I've had friends where I had to visit them four and five times, and every time I'd say, so are you ready? Do you want to pray with me right now and ask Jesus into your heart? And they go, well, I'm not ready yet. But eventually, you know, one time I went to the same person. I said, Lord, they're never going to accept you. This is like the fifth time, and God's like, you go to them, go in person. And I said, so you probably don't want to pray and receive the Lord, do you? And they're like, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. And you could see them crying and smiling and happy and tears of joy. And I'm born again. I I feel it. I have Jesus in my heart. Oh my gosh, I found the answer to what I've been looking for. I think Rome is a strategic city. I think Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Paul are targeting Rome because it's the capital of the known world. Rome has conquered the world. I think Reno is a strategic city. It's the hub of northern Nevada. And everybody comes to Reno. The airport, the university, the hospitals, the infrastructure, the people are coming. They can't build the houses fast enough. All the jobs, the economy. Reno is very strategic. And God will put you in a strategic city, a strategic place, a ministry, an occupation, so that you can use that to spread his gospel. Do you see it? Verse 11. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, and that you may be established. 
Do you want God's biggest spiritual gift? It is Jesus. Talk about Christmas presents. I mean, Jesus is the best present of all. And then with Christ comes other spiritual gifts. And yes, I believe all the gifts are for today. God can give you a supernatural gift. Speaking in tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, healing, miracles. With Christ and his spirit come all the gifts. And Paul is like, we got to give out God's gifts. Verse 12, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, when Christians get together, there's a joy and an encouragement as we share our faith. I'm an old banker. I worked at this new bank, and I would wear my cross with the nails and the fish and my bumper stickers. I'd bring my Bible to lunch, and eventually I'd find the other Christians, and we'd be all excited. It's well, like, wow, John, you and me, we're like the only Christians here. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.